Welcome to the New Masculine Podcast. This is a place where masculine identifying people come together in community to disrupt outdated models of masculinity and together construct new models for our way forward as men. As a special note, while this conversation is between men, this podcast values all beings and seeks to create positive impacts for all. I'm your host, Travis Stock. I am a master life coach, an equus coach, which means I often partner with horses when supporting clients, and I'm a teacher. In my coaching work, I am passionate about the balance of masculine and feminine energies in each of us, regardless of gender. I seek to help others nurture a relationship with both types of energy, which often leads to a greater sense of wholeness. And yet what I found in my work with men is that many of us have been taught messages about what it means to be a man by first teaching us to avoid anything that is associated with the feminine. That avoidance leads to few experiences of intimacy, emotions outside of anger, vulnerability, or even a sense of belonging. Striving to comply with these models of masculinity has many of us feeling isolated, ashamed, unworthy, afraid, angry, and depressed. That's why I started this podcast, to bring men together who are ready for something new, something more whole. My next guest participates in the transformation of cultural ideals around masculinity in unique ways. Jet Adore is a teacher, social activist, and performance artist who uses male burlesque to put a twist on iconic ideas of the romantic male. Through his art, Jed is able to have a similar conversation to those held on each episode of this podcast, but he does it without words. I find this embodied approach to exploring masculinity fascinating because it has the ability to sink into our awareness at a deeper level than our conscious mind. By bypassing thought, Jet makes you feel something with his presence on stage and in that feeling, there is an opportunity to come face to face with your cultural conditioning. Some may find it offensive, some exciting, and yet others may feel confused as they bounce between intrigue and distaste due to being exposed to the male form in new ways. Regardless of how it makes you feel, Jed invites you to consider your definitions of masculinity while modeling more expanded and inclusive definitions. He calls this invitation Reimagine Macho and uses the hashtag Reimagine Macho on social media platforms to keep this conversation ongoing. The new masculine meets Reimagine Macho. This is going to be good. Without further ado, welcome, Jet Adore. Hey, thanks a lot. Well, I'm so glad that you decided to join me. I think it's fun to know that we both have some sort of social media campaigns around reinventing masculinity. Is there anything else that you think that people should know about you prior to us jumping into the conversation itself? I don't even think people should know as much as you just said. Maybe they should know that I'm fully and completely nude right now, oh. but it, only if that helps them. No, I'm not really nude. Or am I? Um, <laughs> A man of mystery. I do like to be nude. But uh, no, thank you for saying those things. And uh, I'm really excited to have met you and connected with you and have been able to start some conversations with you because I'm very excited that there's someone else at least out there probably other people somewhere that i hope to find too who are addressing this conversation head on yeah i think that that's something that you and i share as this is our we're finally starting to meet other people who are having this similar conversation that are sort of immersing themselves in this world and in this transformation and yeah. i think it's especially fun when you find someone that speaks a similar language to you even if your yeah. mediums for the approach to how you do it is different that you still speak a similar language and get it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited. 
I'm going to try not to show that. I don't want you to see my excitement, but it's there. Just trust me. <laughs> well, let's start by checking in on, on some of your personal stories. Like what are this early stories and memories that you have around masculinity that shaped what you thought of as masculine? That's interesting because I, I feel like I haven't really been thinking about masculinity head on unconsciously until the last couple of decades in my career when I've been exploring it intentionally. But I know that subconsciously, certainly like all boys growing up, I think, it seems, I tend to not like to use the word all because it, it's probably not true that all, but it feels to me that m most of the men around me are experiencing something that has to do with that whether we know it or not, whether we're told this is how you should be a man, whether you hear phrases like man up, be a man, stop doing like a girl. See, I don't, I don't remember ever feeling that or hearing that or feeling from my father, for instance, that there was anything from him that he needed to see more of me being a man, the way a man should be. But certainly there was something in the air all around me about making sure that I wasn't what I shouldn't be, if that makes any sense. So I knew it was terrible if I were to present as feminine. I think all boys must feel that. I don't think they should. Maybe we can talk about that. But I, I do know that I felt that. But to be honest, I didn't think I was any of those bad things i sort of know now that i'm not nearly as like masculine as i thought i was back then or maybe i just didn't think about it i just didn't think that i was one of i didn't think that i needed to be too concerned about it then i mean there was the whole like being teased for being gay but nobody really meant it nobody really thought i really could be gay i'm from a small town in wisconsin and i'm old enough that when my generation Nobody was out in high school in small town Wisconsin. So there was that, but it was teasing even, even the teasing was really about we I knew they couldn't possibly really think I was gay or they wouldn't tease me about it, if that makes any sense. If they really thought I was gay, it would have been really it would have been way too uncomfortable. They wouldn't, you know, they just wouldn't address it. But there was teasing about it. And then of course there was the hoping that I wouldn't turn out to be that. Of course, of course. We Spoiler all alert. <laughs> I already was a homosexual person, but I didn't know it. And I had a lot of, it took me too long to figure that out. Probably, but here I am. Uh, but anyway, I think it's, it's, it's come to me thinking about it as an adult. And as I get older and explore it as an artist that I, that I sort of put things in that frame of masculinity, really. Like, what is it? What What are we even calling masculinity? Is it good or bad? And all of those things. So, so yeah, it was there, but it was, it it was sort of, you know, in the distance somewhere. It's very subconscious. It makes sense because it's sort of we get taught those early things in childhood at the level at which we can comprehend. It's not like at, as a one year old, we're having these conversations around what it is to be a man. 
sure. it's not a conscious thought. Our conscious level of processing the prefrontal cortex of our mind isn't even developed at that age. And so having a conversation at the level that the child is at, we I think oftentimes that's been my experience is we often teach boys what not to be. Yeah. And haze them out of certain behaviors that would be yeah, more on the feminine side of things. And that's how we socially condition boys early on and on their trajectory to being a man. Right. Which is how I often feel about masculinity. It's being limiting. It's not a sort of, it doesn't give you, sometimes it doesn't give you more power. It takes it, takes away some some strengths because it's limiting but um i think that's so true i want to highlight that point that in many ways our our definitions of masculinity are limiting and they are um there's a there's a ceiling to which at which you can or or a walls at which you can expand to and then there's that's as big as you can get and that's so interesting that our ideals have such limitations put on them yeah well that's a real that's a that's a real fiery point for me to be talking about masculinity as if it's an ideal. I know that it is treated as an ideal in our society. I I wish that it weren't. That's sort of what I that's sort of at the heart of what I aim at actually. I I love the way that you talk about masculinity and trying to develop a, this idea of a new masculine. Can we reframe it so that it's something that's more relevant today? That, that has evolved and all that. And I, it's interesting because as I hear, as I've heard you have conversations about it, I realize that I have tended to think about it in a different way, which is that I don't need it to be ideal, that I can just sort of recognize it for what it is historically or culturally, and then ask, you know, are there good things about this? Are there bad things about this? But overall, to say, if if you don't possess any of those qualities, that's fine. And if you naturally are a man who has is on the very low end of the spectrum of masculinity, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't. I feel like I don't want to continue preserving it as an ideal, but just to say, well. We can talk about what it is stereotypically. We can talk about what it has always been or how it's changed. But the idea of trying to desperately, some people trying to desperately preserve it as to, as something ideal for men, that men, because I even get this, the more I talk about masculinity and how to be part of the conversation about twisting it around, still people will come to me as if I need this comfort and say, oh, don't worry, I think about you as quite masculine. And I, I'm I'm saying, well, you're kind of missing the point because I'm saying it's not a good thing necessarily to be masculine or not masculine. They're just traits. They're, they're, they are historically idealized male attributes, but do we have to hold on to those? Isn't, aren't we getting away from thinking of that? Well, I think it's important what you're saying. I like this concept of taking masculinity off of its pedestal as the thing we're aiming for, and that there's a that's the ideal. And then there's this also this part of being social creatures, and in being a social creatures, herd pack based animals, we we collect in 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 numbers. Yeah, there is a social element to it that we seek agreement, we seek. 
um, shared beliefs and shared understandings. And I think that's maybe what I'm talking about when it comes to ideals around masculinity is what are our shared belief systems around it? And are they serving us any longer? Because if I look at any other part of my life around my career, around romantic relationships, around my sexuality, around any of those pieces, I actually, my ideals of those things change and evolve over time and gather more information. They don't stay rigid and locked in. And yet our cultural ideals around masculinity do seem like they have been sort of pre-baked in and limited and stuck where they're at and not given a lot of space to move. And I think that that's the approach that I'm looking at is like, I think on an individual basis, I don't want to idealize masculinity as the thing that I should be aiming for. But as a social creature, I also want to be participating in the sort of growth, expansion, evolvement of the of this concept that we call masculinity. Yeah, and I actually really love, I get that loud and clear from all of how you talk about masculinity. So, and, um, so that's why it's changed, it's sort of shifted something in me because like I say, I, I have gotten used to coming to it at this place of trying to take away people's idealization of it, of, of, can we just say that if you're, if you identify as a man, it doesn't necessarily mean that you identify as masculine. Um, so I try to find a conversation that takes some of that pressure away that takes some of the responsibility away and also makes it such that masculinity doesn't then belong to men. It's, we, we can talk about what we mean by it, but then some of those things, like what you're saying, some of those things, don't we want to hold on to them as virtues? But don't we want lots of people to have those virtues, men, women, or in any, anywhere along that spectrum? It doesn't belong to men. The pressure that just because I identify as a man, then there's all sorts of rules about how I need to present, to act, that I need to be a leader and that I need to be protective and that I need to be very confident and that I can't have many emotions. All the things that you talk about all the time, to me, there are men who identify very, quite naturally in lots of those ways and just happen to be quite stereotypically masculine. Fantastic. There is also lots of men who don't identify with a lot of those things and aren't naturally those things, and yet there's a pressure, whether conscious or not, from all around us. I mean, you talk about this all the time, that pressure that we were supposed to. And I think it doesn't matter if some men aren't leaders. It doesn't matter if some men are quite emotional and don't have control over their, their sensitivity all the time or ever. I think men a lot of times don't ever in their life recognize some of their biggest strengths because they think it doesn't serve them as a man or that they dare not be that kind of person. To, so even, to even feel a drop of what their maybe real talent is because they won't let that natural part of themselves be just be, you know. The thing is that the further you go in how high you are 
in the spectrum of masculinity, to me, if it's not layered with all sorts of other great qualities that aren't necessarily masculine, then you're a monster. I mean, if you dial the knob way up and all you can say about someone is he is the most masculine person I've ever met, and that's all you can say about them, that's an ugly, ugly person to me. That's someone who isn't very smart, but is very strong, very muscular, hairy, stinks, doesn't know how to dress, doesn't know how to speak, really. They can't communicate. They don't have any emotion. They're angry all the time. Uh, you know, it, it becomes ugly when you twist it all the way up. And to me, to have this idea that, because we're caught in this place that anytime someone says about a man that they are so masculine, it's dangerous that that always sounds like a compliment to me, because then where's the limit to that? If that's a compliment, then the more masculine we are, the better we are. And I don't like that. I don't want us to think that way. The more masculine we are, the more masculine we are. That's all. You're no better. You're no more appealing. You're no more uh, desirable, sexy, interesting. You're no better in any way just because you happen to be more stereotypically typically masculine to me. That's how I think about it. And if you are very stereotypically masculine, I hope to God you can also complete a sentence sometimes. I hope you can feel emotion and express yourself sometimes. I hope you can be kind and romantic sometimes. These are not things we say that men have to be or that you are considered masculine necessarily but certainly they can exist within what we call masculinity but we don't even talk about those are the more important things if you ask me the things that we want all people to be kind compassionate communicative in touch with their own selves and their emotions why don't we want that for everybody we Women are so much better at it because we don't require men to be it or boys. Sorry, I'm getting very upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is a great, I mean, this is why I wanted to have you on this podcast is because you feel similarly passionate about this stuff. You emotionally are involved in this process. And so I, I love the passion that's behind it. And I think what you're pointing out is there is a real socialized difference between how what we teach little girls to be good at and what we teach little boys to be good at. Yeah. And I think that's true, that if masculinity, being good at that is the thing that is the most defining characteristic about you, that's a pretty low bar of like, what else is there? And I, I never yeah. really thought of it that way. And I actually agree with you that in an ideal world, I think we move these conversations beyond gender and sex and into human. Like, what is it? What it is? Is it to be a good human? Yeah. And I also see we're in that transition phase where we're not quite there yet. A whole swath of the population isn't able to go beyond the gender and sex. There is still yeah. the need to categorize and differentiate and make separate, even though there's whole parts of the communities of communities that are sort of deconstructing what gender means and expressing themselves more fluidly and being able to show up moment to moment with what feels in resonance to them rather than yeah. what I love what you were talking about earlier about the sort of pressure to be masculine. I think that's where the, my biggest passion around this conversation comes from is that feeling of pressure. 
something that I think each one of us as young men, boys, older men, any man is likely going to have felt that pressure at some point to be something different than who yes. you are. And I think there's such a wounding in that. And that's where my, like the birthplace of my passion comes from is from feeling that level of pressure, my life and watching all the rest of the men in my world face that pressure to be something beyond who they are. And to, not, as you were saying, like not develop their, their actual most defining, beautiful, magical qualities because it doesn't fit into those ideals of masculinity. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, too, as you're talking, I'm thinking, too, about what you were asking about growing up and how I how my relationship to masculinity was then. And I just, for some reason, started thinking, too, about how this so and how I think about this a lot is that it translates to and how we think of women and their roles. Obviously, if we think that men have these roles then we so much more need women to be in the roles that we expect them to be. And so I often think about talking about masculinity in a way that I want it to be something that also helps us think about women and giving them all the powers that they can use as well. Um, that's what I mean by masculinity doesn't belong to men. If there are traits about it that people want to get better at or become more, I think, I do want some people to be leaders. I do want some people to be heroic and courageous. I want some people maybe to be strong when others can't be uh, emotionally. I want some people to have really muscular bodies and really ripped abs. I don't know why. But I don't mind if a lot of those people are women too, you know? So we have this aversion to women being masculine. I just wish that we could use the word for the traits it embodies and that it doesn't belong to men. The same with femininity. I mean, well, I think what you're pointing to is the importance of differentiating the social constructs of masculinity versus the energetic qualities of masculine and feminine energies that are just a part of nature, a part of the dualities of life, the night, the day, the yin, the yang, the, the, the balancing energies yeah. and i think that when it's when we're talking about energies we do want people to have a balance of both we want women men somewhere in between we want all people to be able to access some leadership sometimes some following energy some directional goal oriented some ability to just be some ability to nurture and care right and so from that more energetic place of masculine and feminine I do think there's a, a balance that's necessary and that's needed. And I want that to inform our conversation around social, the social ideals of masculinity because masculinity doesn't exist in the animal kingdom. Yeah. Masculine and feminine energy does. So right. that is a human creation, that masculinity. Sure. Piece. And I actually really appreciate that you, your work is about taking the value judgment away from it, just letting it be the social construct that it is without making it good, bad, indifferent. It is just that. And then now you get to explore all the pieces around it, all the other yeah. qualities that are also there. Yeah. Do we want to use some of it? Do we possess some of it? Is that all good? It, you know, 
to me, to me, the way that I've used masculinity is to just try to figure out what are we talking about? What can we all agree on are the stereotypes? If we can create the spectrum where the, the high end of hyper stereotypical masculinity, do we all know what that looks and sounds and feels like? And then we can explore around that. I want to acknowledge it. I want to almost embrace it from the beginning. So then we can twist around it. Um, but I like to do that with women and men, you know, because there is power there. There's power in femininity too, but there is power in how we think. Of course there is. I mean, we almost, it's so easy almost to equate how we think about masculinity as power. Um, that's why we're afraid that we might not possess enough of it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but it's only one kind. It's well, it's perhaps several different flavors of power is sort of mixed in there, but everybody can use that power if they want to get better at that. And everybody can recognize those parts of themselves if they happen to have them already. But the pressure to own that power or try to, or force yourself to, or pretend to, when it doesn't even exist in you, is to me, makes people monsters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the thing that keeps coming up in my most recent conversations as this evolves, is this connection between masculinity and power, and how yeah. they have actually become merged and become almost the same thing in our in our definitions of it. And I actually think it's important and and serves the greater whole to disentangle them from each other and yeah. allow them to be separate forces that yeah. that anyone can access that anyone can take part in so that it's not hoarded and um there's not scarcity models based into it so where you yeah, have more I love power, that you talk have about that. yeah i love that you talk about it in that way that there are limitless resources of power my, how much I have doesn't mean someone else has to have less. And that right there cracks the entire foundation of what we have been creating as this ideal on masculinity. How dare you <laughs> crack that? <laughs> and yeah, that's what I'm here to do. That's what I want this podcast to do is to disrupt those models that hoard power, that keep power from some while some have others we're watching that play out on our sort of on a human level, on a country level, on an individual levels in our relationships. It's in yeah. our own relationship to ourselves. We're watching those power dynamics play out and become real costly and unsustainable. Yeah, I so agree. I'm, I'm really curious to know because you have been able to sometimes through your artwork clearly define what masculinity is what are those things that we all can agree on of what those concepts of masculinity are how do you use those more traditional definitions of masculinity in your performance art and then how do you balance it out with all the other stuff so in the world of burlesque which i've always thought of as i mean it doesn't take much to think about it in this way but it's a female art form historically and even really now, it's never been a male art form, except that men have in this recent, over the last couple of decades, revival of burlesque into as a theatrical genre. 
men have been, how I think of it, men have been invited in. We've been embraced into this art form that was otherwise almost exclusively about women. And can you define what that art form is? Because I'm, while I know what it is, I'm not sure yeah. everybody listening is going to know what you mean by a male burlesque performer. How dare they not understand me completely? Uh, yes, I don't know that I can define it, actually, because it people think about it in different ways. But I'll tell you this. I think of burlesque as a theatrical genre that turns the removal of clothing into theater or nudity into theater using the body as a metaphor for something very important in some moment so that you can create a lot of suspense around showing your hand, for instance, inside of a glove. Um, some people call it the art of striptease. A lot of what I do is not, a lot of what I do is striptease. A lot of what I do is not striptease because I don't take anything off, but I am using, um, I am trying to create theater using my naked body as a metaphor <laughs> so and i'm doing it in a woman's world and i've always been i my interest when i was first against my own will really in the very beginning sort of invited into this world and intrigued by how a man could interpret this um i didn't do it alone i did it with a group called the stage Johnny's in chicago headed by a man called Hot Toddy, so I have to give all of those wonderful men props. I came into the world of burlesque already wanting to explore how masculinity even can fit into this place where we only have, well, almost only have ever thought about women, about women being the seducer, about women um, treating their bodies in a sensual way about romanticism, about all sorts of themes, sensuality, vulnerability, uh, and imagining how can I interpret classic female burlesque from a male perspective, the male counterpart of that, what does that look like? Uh, and I I don't know what the answer to that is yet, but I keep trying to explore around that. How do I, how do you, how do I do that? So inherently it, it sort of developed into this place where I felt like what I'm really doing is I'm twisting around male icons, male romantic, idealized subjects. So I want us to recognize what I'm playing with. So I want to use enough of the stereotype that I, that I'm enough of that guy that people know what I am twisting around. But then, you know, I always like the way of, um, I like to combine contrasting ideas that maybe shouldn't be contrasting, but ideas about strength and delicacy or heroism and romance or um, about sort of being a sort of sexualized instigator sexual power but also be very very sensual and very vulnerable you know so i try to look at it in all sorts of different ways and see like how can i create a character around how can i create a scene a moment um theater out of exploring that 
and hopefully in the end, actually, nobody really can put a pin on what I'm exploring around, but it stretches their ideas maybe around what's ideal about men or what isn't. So, yeah. Can you give us any examples of what a character or that iconic male traditional thing that you're pulling from? Can you give us any examples of what that might be? There's a, uh, I play with all sorts of different ways. Uh, to be honest, I do, I, it kind of, it kind of like gives me nasty feelings in my insights when I start to talk too much about the characters that I have because it, it, it just kind of ruins the magic for me. But I, here's an example. I have this, here's a pretty clear, sort of obvious example, I think. I don't have very many acts that I actually play a real life icon that people know what I'm doing, but I do have a couple, and one of them is my Zorro act. So I look just like Zorro, except maybe if Liberace was his best friend. <laughs> so people know I'm Zorro, but I'm real fancy Zorro. And sometimes what I like to do is I like to play with costuming in such a way that I'm creating an idealized glamorized man a very um decorated embellished man but then it gives me even more of an obstacle to play against because i really do want to be that guy but then covered in the glitz and glamour so that the glamour does not feminize me but it actually somehow makes me more masculine i like people to have to fuck with that in their head a little bit um, so because what I love in burlesque, this happens, and certainly in the drag world, it happens where we get to see men playing with femininity. We get to see men playing with flamboyancy and playing with um, feminizing themselves. I love that. I've just set these boundaries for myself. Where I, I want to say, I'm not, I don't want to twist gender, but let's see how far can I twist just within the boundary of masculinity? How much play is there right in that? So Zorro, you know, to me sort of represents one of those, you know, iconic, masculine, romantic heroes, fictional character that we just know that's the guy. So if I can take that, some of those ideals, right, and say, well, let's, let's fuck with that a little bit. And let's, and it's hum some of, a lot of what I play with is humor. I want to use humor because humor is sometimes the only way, or the, if not the only way, sometimes still the best way to talk about something. Because it makes us think about something in a way that feels good. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of people, or a lot of guys, and a lot of people don't want to be thinking about the stuff that I put in front of them. But I want them to want to think about it, so I want it to be fun. I get my best compliments from straight guys because they never thought they could have fun watching a guy get naked. And it's empowering to them somehow to see that this guy cannot take himself so seriously, but there's this whole theater full of people cheering him on, really into it, thinking it's sexy, it's hilarious, it's all this stuff, however they take it. But then a guy has to sit there and look around and be like, you know, maybe I don't need to take myself that seriously either. Maybe I don't need to worry about 
being Zorro. Maybe I, maybe Zorro can just be this guy who loves wearing a fancy sparkly cape, walking around naked. <laughs> <laughs> and so what are the kinds of conversations that straight men come up to you and have with you around this? Like, what, how, do, how did they make sense of it from your experience? Well, what I find, too, is that there's so many straight men who really want to be part of the conversation, but have never or just don't know how to or don't even can't find a way that it, that they're drawn to talking about it. Or that way. they but, feel safe having that conversation. Sure. Because so much shame is put on the feminized expressions of things right. or fitting into a, a woman's world. There's so much that we're taught over and right. over again about avoiding that. And there's never been someone to get them really excited about it in a way that feels good, like I say. So when it's the straight man in the audience who's the person that can transform the most profoundly from the work that I do. So it's because it seems like what I'm going to do on stage is not for him. This is for the straight ladies and the gay boys out there, right? Whether it's said out loud or not, that's usually the perception, at least in the beginning. Um, and I'm sure it's but, the first thought that goes through their mind. Oh, well, this isn't for me. Right. I better not pay attention. Time to get a drink or go to the bathroom, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever it is. There's plenty of guys who are just fine and not uncomfortable with the idea, whether they're gay or straight. They're not uncomfortable with the idea of the guy. I'm not going to diminish every straight man to say that they they all are uncomfortable with me. But I like that after a show, a straight man can come up to me entirely enthusiastic about what I did and needing to tell me about it because he feels really good about himself for having seen it and watched it and not looked away. And he's not going to talk to me about how hot it was or anything. He's going to notice the cleverness, maybe. He's going to notice the bravado of it. He's going to notice how funny it was or how ridiculously how ridiculous the hyper-masculinity of it seems when put under that lens. And that, to me, gives me goosebumps because I'm like, yes, please, let's see how, let's ridicule. Because ridicule as a theatrical device can be very helpful with kind of breaking down what we think of as ideal, right? So without thinking about it, right? And that. I just love when a guy comes up to me and he makes it he makes it clear whether in words or not that he's not sexually attracted to me <laughs> but that he just is really into what he just saw and I just feel like that's what I want I want to make someone else feel good more feel better about himself you know feel less pressure about himself that he can now come up to me and not have to be, not have to care how it's going to come across, talk about how he really feels about it. It's like, it's magic to me when I get to see that. So I absolutely love that. That makes me sort of like energized knowing that because it's, you are the pressure release valve around this masculinity. Don't thing. talk dirty, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is like we've been talking about this pressure piece that's embedded in masculinity for most of us and that in your art form without language without 
forcing a message down someone's throat. Yeah. Ultimately, there is, there is something very, in our culture at least, very confrontational about male nudity. Female nudity yeah. is a bit more accepted. Nudity oh, yeah. in general with our puritanical values where we come from as a country can be a little taboo. But there's something really confrontational about male nudity. And so in, I love that you, you don't force the message down someone's throat. You don't push the, the, the message that you want someone to hear. You, yeah. you show up and perform art and, and infuse humor and create an opening. And what that person does with it is on them. Yeah, well, I think any art that's impactful cannot tell you how to feel about it. Isn't to me. To me, I don't want to be told how to feel. As soon as you tell me, as soon as I know real clear that you want me to feel something, I don't believe you and I don't care about you. So it's inauthentic theater, at that point. Yeah, and I'm talking about theater, storytelling, art. You know, it's about being heavy handed. You know, it's about, it's what we call sappy. You know, when the music starts playing and they have the moment and they start getting closer and they say, I love, it's like, you know, I want to just see you really experience something and then let me, let me have to process it and personalize it and see myself in it and figure all that out. The more work I have to do in the audience, the more experience, the more profound the experience can be, the more funny it can be the more emotional, the more I can really feel empowered by the end and inspired. So the danger in that, of course, is that nobody in the audience will get anything out of it because you're not telling them. But I hope I'm getting better at knowing how much is too much. I hope I'm getting even just a little bit better at knowing how much is too much and, and how much, um, just how little people need to feel empathy and to feel like they relate to something. It's really hard though. I appreciate the kind of sensitivity that requires in you to be able to be, do the vulnerable brave work of putting in more, taking less, like to really like allow yourself to push and to, to move and to allow the performance to sometimes be too much for someone or be too little for another that's a vulnerable process to go through as an artist as a human being to be seen in those levels but the sensitivity then to immediately follow it with reading the feedback from the environment what do you hear what do you notice what are people saying what how do they come up to you and greet you as a result of what they've just seen it helps you fine-tune that there's a sensitivity that's really needed for that yeah I like when I when everybody has something different to say about something that I do. Then I know that I'm maybe doing something. You know, if some mm-hmm. people find it hilarious and some people think it's beautiful and some people think it's empowering and some you know, that I think that's when art is good. And it certainly matters when I because I don't you know, I don't even always I will say that I rarely get this real and specific about my process for that very reason i i want it to be someone that something that people internalize for themselves and maybe just inspire the conversation or the thought or the idea and sometimes i feel like 
if I take the magic away, you know, of of the process, explaining the process too much, then it then it just becomes about what what I think about it, you know. But I appreciate that, and I I appreciate the willingness to peel back the curtain a little bit. And I I do want to because it is important to me that it's just important to me that people start thinking about masculinity. I as I've started as I've explored it more and more, it's then become more and more pressing to me, understanding how much of an issue it is in life. Well, to me, that's a part of the transformation around masculinity. Masculinity can often be about like, go out, create, get something, make something, um, earn money. And yet the way you're doing it feels much more like co-creation. It's you have an intention that you infuse within your art. And then the the viewer has to create their own storyline and their own part of the creation. And, and together you make something, not one or the other, that it's both coming in as a co-creation. And I think that that is a counterbalance to sort of the individual create, creative force that is about ego. Like I need people to see this or I want to mm-hmm. make money based on my art or I want this, where it's very I want or it's individual. Mm-hmm. The co-creation process takes in the collective as the important part of it. And your intention behind it, whether you choose to verbally discuss it or not, is to me feels so important to what you're doing. Well, I'm glad someone thinks it's important. (laughs) Some people think I just like wearing sparkly cod pieces. Well, I'm sure you like that as well. Well, the glue gets in the way sometimes, but... Oh, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any parts of yourself that you feel like if you're on stage doing one of your shows, is there still any parts of masculinity in the traditional sense that we were taught what we were the pressure style of masculinity? Are there any parts that still have a hold of you or that still feel like they limit you from your expression? Or do you feel free pretty much from that to choose? I want to feel free such that I want to develop my reflex that if I want to develop my reflex to be better and better about when I feel that there's any kind of even little bit of pressure. If I'm having a conversation with someone, if I am exploring something artistically, I'm creating something, if there's any bit of me that feels like that, you know, that the, there's some part of thing in my brain saying, be careful not to be too feminine or be careful. That's if I want my reflex to be that, that thought, I don't need it. Doesn't matter. And then sometimes if it, if it presents itself artistically, then I definitely want to explore how to twist around that. But um I'm trying to be someone who, who, wants to nurture the things about myself that I think I like about myself. Most of those things are, don't have anything to do with masculinity. And then the rest of it, I just want to be who I am. And uh, nothing more than that. Like I don't need to add traits to myself to on top of it. So 
I think maybe there's some things about me that people would consider masculine, stereotypically, I suppose. But I'm all, I also know that I love, I'm bad at small talk, and I like to have conversation about the real stuff and how people feel. And I'm soft-spoken, tend to be, I, I hold kindness up on a pedestal more than anything, probably. Compassion, empathy. And those are really things I've learned from women. And I used to be in this place that I thought, I never wanted to be, I ne I've always felt like a man and I've never had to struggle with my gender. And I've never had to doubt that. And I'm very fortunate in that. But I have in my life, before, before I was more okay with my, as okay with, I, with myself as I am now, which isn't entirely okay, I suppose, but uh, I'm better okay than I used to be. <laughs> but um, I think I used to think about it in a way that I wished I was, could be more like my female friends. I admired them more for how they could communicate. I admired them more for how in touch with their emotions they were and how more ready they were to share that without even knowing they were sharing it. And I wanted to be that kind of person. I didn't even think about it in a way of masculinity or that it was dangerous. I think I'm lucky in the sense that as an artist, actor, dancer, when it certainly is when I was in college and started to be around other people like that, you know, there, there's so many, there's such a wide array of kinds of people and people who are free and expressive that there's less pressure to be any something. The, the challenge then is to like figure out what in the heck you are with all this wild array of insanity, you know. Um, magical wonderful insanity so but i always felt that i felt you know i wish i want to be more like the women in my life i didn't think much about being more like the very masculine people in my life um but but i guess there was this long period of time where i wondered if it was okay that i didn't feel that much it's similar to my experience uh, there i felt this pressure to often be more masculine mm -hmm. and yet when i listen to my own desires when i listen to my own what i respect what i model myself after what i'm reaching for mm -hmm. it's often the women in my life that are demonstrating those qualities and that are living yes. those qualities and women have always been my safe space for me to explore who I am and to be and to celebrate who I actually am rather than the presentation that I learned to be to stay safe to belong to fit in to receive love those yeah. kinds of things and I think that so it's my common story too where I haven't had to navigate gender I've always felt like I'm in the right body I feel like a man and yet mm -hmm so much of the things I value are more on the feminine side. I, I st have started to own the fact that I am a man who is more powerful in his feminine energy than in his masculine energy. That doesn't, that doesn't change my gender. That doesn't have an impact on my sexuality. It doesn't yeah. have impact. It just is from an energetic place. 
that's where I find my power source. That's where I find how I most want to show up in the world is with those qualities heavily infused. And then the rest of it can be additive pieces, but, but there's a core there that I'm not willing to let go of. I love how that, how you talk about that because I don't think I've ever heard another man talk about it in that way. And it's so in line with how I wish we could evolve. But femininity and masculinity don't belong to gender. We can acknowledge that we built up these ideals in respect to gender. We have done that historically. We have done that, yes. But now can we just say, these are traits. Here's a bunch of stuff that we stereotypically have thought of as male role model, female role model. But aren't we getting to a place now that we're, that we're at a place where we're thinking about those roles as something that we shouldn't, that we should evolve? So then shouldn't we also evolve to say, you know, I can be a man and identify as a man and not have any issue with, with my gender, but that I might actually feel that I, you know, naturally have, my ideals might rest more in what we call feminine than in the masculine. And that, that is also wonderful. And yeah. vice versa for women and masculinity, you know, there's a lot of distaste in people's mouths a lot of times about a woman being in charge. You know, that is true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, being in charge in a, a certain way. Certainly women better not get angry. They better not get too loud. They better not take charge in a way that diminishes you somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, what we consider strong for a man should also be strong for a woman. It's power. All we're doing is embracing different kinds of power. And that's the place that I want us to get to, that there, that we don't feel uncomfortable with masculinity and femininity and our ideas around that being mixed now. We're ready for a time where we can start thinking of those things as not being assigned to gender. That feels inspirational to me to hear you say we're ready. To not just say, I hope that this someday in the future will get there, that you already feel we're ready for that. We're more ready, I think. I mean, some people more than others, obviously, but aren't we in a place now where we're becoming more aware of the issues of women? We're becoming more aware of the issues of gender and transgender and what it means to be a man and woman. And aren't we just ready to dive into that and start saying, what does it even mean? Does it need to mean anything specific to be a man or to be a woman? You know, and and I, I'm often very much inspired by hearing trans people talk about their experience with gender because I will be honest, some of me is so confused because I've never had to deal with that, even though much of me wants to be more like the women in my life. I've never wanted to be a woman. I've never even had to consider whether that was something I should wonder about. So some some of me doesn't really quite understand 
what it is that makes me feel like I'm a man. And it it's very important for me to to hear from people who struggle with gender about how they relate also to masculinity. I work a lot with trans men because they want to perhaps present more masculinely or they just want to understand maybe on a different level the the relationship between I know that I am male, but what but I'm not entirely masculine or how they think about that, right? So it's also fascinating to me. I love that you say that because that's been my experience that I've learned a lot from my trans clients, my trans friends around this topic, because in some ways trans men have had to confront masculinity in places I'll never have to confront yeah, and have had to find their way with it. And so in mm. some ways their understanding of it can be more nuanced because they've had to move through that and have had to navigate right. those those waters in a different way than I have. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes it's such a lesson too, because in some ways, those who have had to struggle with their identity when it comes to gender have feel less pressure about all of it. And some feel tremendously more pressure, you know, whether it's self-imposed or what they're feeling from around them. Uh, so it's a big word, masculinity. You know, it's like it really is a thing that that we worry in and and obsess about. <laughs> totally. You know, so I I sort of wish we didn't. Me too. Be and obsess about it so much. And yet, you and I find ourselves wanting to have these conversations and find ourselves obsessing well, about it in I, a positive direction. Yeah, you're, that's true. I guess I'm obsessed. <laughs> but I'm not obsessed with being masculine, I hope. Right. I hope I never will feel that obsession. I heard you mention that you support others, like you do mentorship and teaching. I've heard you talk about that, and you kind of mentioned it here around masculinity what are what is the work you're doing around supporting others with masculinity stuff well it's interesting in burlesque uh i started a while a while ago i started to be asked to to do workshops and a lot of the workshops that i do are around the idea of stage presence and how to to build that whatever we call stage presence and um but i would also be asked because i'm a man in this mostly female art form to teach burlesque for other men or teach male burlesque and i always felt like well i'm taking all of my inspiration from women and the best women who are doing it and then just trying to sort of twist it around in a masculine way so for me to turn around and then try to teach burlesque to men as if it's this other thing or there's I'm doing something different from than the women are doing. It didn't sit right with me, but the idea of playing with masculinity made sense to me because that's what I felt like I was doing. So I started to teach a workshop called Exploring Masculinity, um, which in the beginning I think was interpreted as a burlesque class for men, you know, Let's have fun with guys and let's, uh, you know, see how, how can a guy create a theatrical sort of moment about striptease in a sexy way. But over, over time, I think when the ideas that I wanted to 
explore around became more apparent um, through in burlesque festivals and things like that where people got to know me a little more. Um, I started to try to want to make it very apparent in the selling of these workshops that it was for all genders and that it was it was about exploring masculinity and masculine sort of tones in performance and in life um, for men, women, and everybody else. So that's that's how I started. And then um, because of that work and because I've just been vocal a lot about being sort of socially active about uh, twisting around ideas of masculinity and being part of that conversation, um, I get a lot of interest from people because I do also a lot of private coaching for performers, aspiring for performers, and even uh, non-performers because, like I say, I work with some trans men usually who are interested in the way that I explore around and can talk about masculinity in a theatrical sense because if you can explore it as an expression for theater, and everything, the way that I work is to try to bring real life on stage, but then you can control and twist around it and play with it and do all sorts of things. But I still want it to feel like something that comes from real life or I really don't care about it, right? I want, I want, we want to believe stuff that we see in film and television and on stage or we're not emotionally connected to it. So it all comes from a real place to me, which is why I think it translates for some people as a sort of real life exploration of how they can explore their ideas of masculinity. So it's just evolved for me to be that. And I was, I didn't expect the way that I explored around masculinity in burlesque to be something that would eventually be, be useful to trans men. It never, ever occurred to me. But when I started to get that kind of interest, I loved it so much more that it that it could transcend to be about that for some people. And so now it's even more important to me that I that I get better about thinking about it, playing with it. I really appreciate that your work, even though it is in many ways, in many forms, tailored to masculinity. It's an inclusive um, piece of work that you're doing in the art that you share, and also in the teaching and mentorship that you do, that there's an inclusive element to include all people around this, because I think we need more of that, even though we're having a very specific conversation yeah. often, that there is still space for everyone to be there and every voice to be a part of it. So I really appreciate that you hold that energy. Well, yeah, I mean, I just love the idea that masculinity doesn't belong to men and that if we, we can all explore it if we want to and figure out, are there, is there power there? Is there, you know, it is, is there something ideal in there somewhere? I think there is, but I, I don't know if I want the whole package all at once and dialed and with <laughs> the volume agree. turned up as high as it goes, you know, I like that we have the ideals are there for a reason. You know, we can't think that we've been so stupid all along and not known that 
there's something good in there. It's just now I think a lot of decompression and and dismantling that needs to happen. Completely agree. So as somebody that uh, is as specifically focused around this topic of masculinity and uh, like I am mm. in participating in these conversations, is there one piece of advice or one sort of takeaway that you want men to leave with from your perspective around masculinity? I, I, I don't think of myself as someone that wants to give advice to someone unless they ask for it. But I, I'll say what I, what I wish and hope. Though I try not to do too much hoping, I try to, once I know that I wish something is true, to be part of making it true. But I, I want us to be in a place where we're evolving to understand that men don't have a response. Just because you're a man does not mean that you have a responsibility to have any of the traits that we consider masculine. I want everybody, just like I said before, I would hope that we would focus on everybody having more kindness and more compassion and be able to communicate well. I think those things, I would like them to not cons be considered only feminine traits. I want all people to feel that way, at least. And then if you want to layer on a hairy chest and big muscles and stinky armpits, fine. If that's who you are, great. But at least be kind. And, but, you know, if you're considerate, you probably don't have stinky armpits. I just say that. But I, I guess what I just hope is that men start to think more and more that masculinity doesn't belong to them and that they don't have any responsibility to possess it. That's such a powerful way of expressing it. The, the, especially the piece for me, I find a lot of resonance with the responsibility to have yeah. those traits. I think in some ways, masculinity often feels like a responsibility and a, I have a pressure to uphold sure. something, which doesn't allow me to just be. Yeah. And I think that to give permission to men, give permission to me to, and to other men to not need to have that responsibility on your shoulders is a, is a gift in itself. Yeah. So thanks for putting it that way. So if people were interested in connecting with you, seeing some of the, being able to see some mm -hmm. of the, of the magic that is <laughs> Jedador, not just hear you through this, but get the visual representation or to find out more about the work that you're doing in the world, how could they find Pretty you? Pretty easy to find through my name online, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just my name, Jedador with two T's thinking of adding a third t but two for now uh what does the third t more give pretentiousness you? i think yeah ah i love it <laughs> mm -hmm. no I, I will not be adding a third t but yeah jet adore online that's where i am and if you look it up you'll probably see a lot of me there's a lot <laughs> of me plastered I... around the interwebs I'm on his Instagram and I definitely have noticed there's a lot there's of a him lot. on there. One of the things I love that's on your social media is the hashtag reimagine macho where you are asking other men to post 
their ways that they reimagine yeah. macho and there's a lot of different kinds yeah. of creatures and beings and expressions of masculinity that keep getting yes. put on there um so i would encourage people to go find that and see what other people are doing around this topic and how they're reimagining macho or stepping into the traits of the new masculine as we've been talking about them here don't forget the new masculine is now on patreon if you want to support me in continuing the mission of this podcast please consider becoming a monthly contributor and know that no amount is too small. Think of this like a tip jar for when you value the content I've created. Special thanks to the five new patrons who have already committed to monthly contributions. Plus, portions will go to organizations that are doing good in the world. During this inaugural month, 25% of all contributions will be donated to organizations that support all black lives. This movement is real and we need to do our part to support and be strong allies. Go to patreon.com slash the new masculine for more information and to contribute. Again, that's patreon.com slash the new masculine. If people want to get in contact with me, you can go to my Instagram. It's at Travers03. You can go to my website at travisstock.com, or you can just reach out to me by my email at travisstock03 at gmail.com. I really love hearing from the listeners. I love participation on social media in this conversation. It allows the conversation to keep going and not just be static on the podcast. It gives me new ideas for how to keep having this conversation that really resonate with other people and the questions that they have around it. So please do feel free to reach out and to be a part of this conversation with me. I really want to thank you, Jet, for being a part of this. I think you've added such a unique and wonderful texture to this conversation, a, a place that I don't access in myself very often. And so thank you for bringing this artistic, more performance style of masculinity and the ways that you confront it. Travis, I have to say that this finding you and being able to have some conversations with you like this has meant a lot to me. So thank you. You're welcome. It's meant a lot to me as well. And more to come. I am super excited to keep chatting with you and to see how other people from the, that are listening to this podcast connect with you as well.